Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, this is your boy, G-Ski Rocks. And this is going out to the lovely, lovely women of the world. I know sometimes you have to make a hard decision. But I want you to think about this.
to and, Pro-Life Friday oh, go ahead. Radio. Oh, you go ahead, too. Welcome, everybody, to another uh, wonderful broadcast of Pro-Life Friday's radio. I'm on the air with Thomas Smith, and yes. joining us today as a um, very special guest, I hope. He's on the line. Is he on the line? Yes. He is. He is All on right. the line, and we're going to get right to that. Um, I'm your other. Ho- I'm your other host, Letitia Wong. I forget. I forgot my own name. <laughs> yes. But uh, we want to go ahead, Thomas, and welcome our guest to the show. Most definitely. Thank you, Letitia. And I'll give you a free pass on forgetting your own name, considering you was up all night playing fireworks. <laughs> so I'll let you pass there. I was up late. You was. But it's all good. Well, first of all, I want to share a little bit about this gentleman I'm about to introduce. Um, I've had the pleasure of getting to know him on Facebook, on the phone. I met him at the last CareNet conference, I believe, last year. And since then, he has been an inspiration to me for this fight to save babies. He's he's become like a mentor, someone that puts his money where his mouth is. He is the founder and president of Issues for Life, and he's also one of the founding members of the National Black Pro-Life Coalition. Please join us in welcoming to the show for Life Fridays, Mr. Walter Hoy II, or Reverend Walter Hoy II. Walter, welcome to the show, and thank you for coming on such a short notice. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. How is everybody? We're doing well, Wonderful. thank I'm you. I'm glad you're here. Welcome to the show. Um, in fact, I've been I've been wanting to get you on the show for a very long time and have a conversation with you, sir. <laughs> And I'm so glad you're here. Well, Walter, what I ask you to come on the show and talk about, if you will, would you share about the upcoming event in Chicago on the 18th, I believe it's the 18th of this month to the 20th. Could you share a little bit about that? Um, that press conference and the rally coming up in Chicago. I appreciate that. Yes, on, on July 18th uh, in Chicago, uh, we're going to have a press conference and we're going to be talking about uh, the death of Tanya Reeves. I'm not sure everyone is aware of who she is, um, but she's a woman, a black woman in Chicago who last year, July 20th of last year, was a Friday, went into a Planned Parenthood uh, to have an abortion. She went in to have a D&E or dilation and evacuation procedure at a Planned Parenthood on 18th South Michigan Avenue, and that was around 11 a.m. After the procedure, she was still bleeding, and it took them over five hours. It took Planned Parenthood over five hours uh, to call a fire department ambulance and get her to Northwestern Hospital. She got there around 4.30 p.m. 
Then at 5.30 p.m., uh, the doctors in the hospital performed another ultrasound and another DME, another dilation and evacuation procedure, basically another abortion. Uh, but even uh, after that, there were more problems and more pain for Tanya, and that warranted a new ultrasound. And when they took another ultrasound, it's the third one, they discovered a perforation. After that, Tanya only had a few minutes really left to live, and at 10, 12 p.m., she was taken back into surgery for an uncontrollable bleed, the documents say, and eventually at 11.20 p.m., Tanya died right there and in the room. Now, she's, she leaves a twin sister at the time, a one-year-old son. She was engaged to be married, and this has really rocked the family. I know people are still talking about uh, Gosnell in Philadelphia, but this took place at a Planned Parenthood with all of the, the facilities you could imagine. Uh, this included a, a, a star, an award-winning uh, hospital, a trauma center uh, in Chicago, and still the Planned Parenthood abortion was bought so badly that Tanya lost her life. We're going to be talking about that in Chicago on July 18th, and we're really going to have an all-star cast there. I appreciate you you calling me about this. Most definitely. And, see, I um, just listening to that, it, it just turns my stomach. Because one of the things that myself and Leticia, we were discussing earlier today, and if you could speak a little bit to this, the way that we can turn the tide of the abortion fight in America, you know, the baby, the pictures of the aborted babies, that it's effective, but it's not enough. I say we need to have the post-abortive mothers who have been lied to, who have who suffer in silence, they need to come and be willing to tell the truth. And I honestly believe specifically when it comes to the specific targeting of blacks and Hispanics, black women, Hispanic women need to come forth and tell the truth and say, hey, this is what's done. And on top of that, Walter, then you have stories like Tanya Reeves, and there's been many others. Do you think that this could be the catalyst that could actually turn the abortion fight in the abortion narrative around? I do agree with you, Thomas, and I do agree that this can be the catalyst uh, that turns it all around. Uh, essentially, uh, the, the, the Tanya Reeves case is really a smoking gun um, here. In the, in the fight, uh, we have a, a Planned Parenthood clinic uh, in Chicago. We, we've got an award-winning uh, trauma center in Chicago. We have a, a botched abortion. We have a black woman bleeding for over five and a half hours. Uh, we've got gross negligence. Uh, we've got criminal negligence. And, yes, I do believe the uh, aborted, the, the graphic pictures 
are, are very, very effective, but what would be more effective would be to have the, the mothers of, of the post-abortive women uh, come forward. It would be great to have both the women and their mothers come forward and talk about uh, how difficult this has been for them and how this has impacted their lives. So, yes, this this, this could be uh, a point when uh, particularly the black community realizes the impact of abortion uh, in our neighborhood. Amen. Leticia, you have a question for Walter? Yes. How can um, – are, are you – so you're having a – a press conference is are you expecting the mainstream media to attend this press conference <laughs> I, I would love to have the, the mainstream media be there they will uh, be invited we'll we'll have a press release out uh, they'll they'll all have it but this particular press conference uh, we're targeting uh black pastors in in, in Chicago mm. Uh, we're we're looking to have uh, a sit down. We're looking to have a discussion. We want to have dialogue around this issue. We want to take a look at the facts. Uh, we've got the autopsy report. Uh, we've got the news reports. We're going to take a look at exactly what happened and bring clarity to the situation. Right. How how. How has this been publicized? And if you and feel free to say it hasn't been publicized well if you don't think it has. We certainly have <laughs> talked on Pro Life Fridays Radio. We have talked about the Tanya Reeves case uh, for several shows. When when the uh, when the news kind of came out uh, immediately after her death, we talked about this quite a bit. Um, now. We're also located in in the pocket of the pro life movement, <laughs> but we we understand what's going on. How do you think um, America is going to find out about this more? Uh, just beyond those that are just interested in following this news. I I, I do agree with you that the the pro life media uh, have, have covered it. That they have talked about it. They've written about it. Uh, I would agree with that. But overall, the mainstream media has not dealt with this. Uh, the mainstream media uh, just really worked, worked hard at not covering these subjects uh, to make sure that uh, the public is really kept in the dark about Tanya Reeves. Uh, even today, I can, I can um, go to Chicago, and there are mm-hmm. folks that just have no idea uh, what happened with, with Tanya Reeves. Uh, I, I do agree with you that there's uh, not been the type of coverage that we're looking for uh, really when it comes to the abortion issue and really when uh, Planned Parenthood uh, is at fault. As I've said before, uh, in terms of uh, finding what went wrong here and who's responsible for what went wrong, the Tanya Reeves case really is a smoking gun for Planned Parenthood. I, wow. I agree, um, and she's not alone. Uh, now, do you have you been in contact with the family at all? What have they had to say about what has happened to her and and their dealing with uh, trying to deal with Planned Parenthood after the fact? Well, the answer is is, is yes, but I can only talk about what's um, been been publicly disclosed disclosed 
right. uh, that the, the, the family has uh, filed uh, lawsuits. Uh, the, the family has uh, lawyers up. Uh, but there's been a lot that has happened to uh, the family uh, since mm-hmm. uh, the death of Tanya Reeves last year. Uh, so there's still a lot of work that, that we're doing, and at this point, we're going to have to wait until we get a little closer uh, to the date. Uh, but the answer to the question is yes. All right. Um, have they been Have they been encouraged by anybody to just accept Tanya's death and not pursue any type of legal recourse? Uh, according to the documents that are already uh, in, in, in the public, we're looking at a, a case where a woman has died, a 24-year-old black woman has died, died horribly, uh, bled to death over five and a half hours, and it right. looks as if almost nothing has been done. You, 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 you've got to wonder what could happen. You, you lose your 24-year-old daughter, who's a mother at the time of a one-year-old son, engaged to be married, and there's uh, absolutely uh, nothing going on with that. Uh, I'm sure the family would would seek a relief, uh, but there is so much going on behind the scenes, you've got to wonder exactly, you know, what happened. And so I do agree with you. There's a whole lot more that has to be discussed, and at our press conference we're going to, I'll get down to the bottom of it. Very good. Now, I think uh, we are going to see if we can come and listen to that press and conference live. Uh, as you know, con- uh, I live in St. Louis, and Thomas is right now in Kansas City. But I think we're going to make an effort to come and <laughs> and see what's going on because I I am more curious. Than, than I've ever been to see what is going. Not only do I, do I want to put this on my show, on this show, I want to see what's happening with the, the responses people are going to have. I, I kind of want to see right. that. <laughs> right. Hey, Walter, well, I, know, I know you have to run in a little bit, but I want to say, I just want to say a personal thank you because you actually, you extended an invitation to me uh when you first started planning this and I and I appreciate um so very um so very much in you um seeing myself, Letitia, our show as one of your allies in this battle because as you know, you know, it's very personal to me and as I'm gonna talk about a little bit a little bit later because Letitia's on the interview me, what I found out lately, which I literally just found out last week, that my mom, well, let me put it like this. I'm one of only two babies who were ectopic or tubal pregnancy to ever be birthed naturally in this country. And so, you know, as I think about that, I'm still getting that strong sense. The Lord is saying, you need to tell your story. And so I appreciate you um, just, you know, just taking us in and seeing the heart of what we're doing because we are right there with you all in this battle. So that's what I wanted to say to that. 
well, Thomas, uh, I, I love you, Tisha. I love you, and, and and Thomas, your story is so very powerful. We're talking about a topic: pregnancy babies, and even Down syndrome uh, babies uh, are all primarily aborted at such a very high rate. It's just staggering. Right. Uh, so I'll be praying mildly that you get a chance to. Uh, tell your story over and over again. And, again, the, the more we keep knocking on the door, uh, the more we keep shedding light on a very dark uh, situation, the sooner we'll have victory in this fight for life Amen. in America. Amen. Amen. That's right. Oh, wow. Oh. You need to... so you... Go ahead, Lucy. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was just going to ask uh... how much time he had with us. Yeah. Well... <laughs> What, what do you want to know? <laughs> oh, 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 where should I start? <laughs> but you know what? We would love to have you back another time for a, a longer interview. Uh, that would be great. If you could come on uh, the broadcast uh, and we'll have, have more time with you and be able to talk about more subjects, that would be that would be wonderful. I, I'd be happy to come back. Uh, I, I've got a uh, – I do have to run. I, I've got another meeting uh, – to attend to, and so um, because Thomas is a good friend, uh, I agreed to, to do this for him. Uh, love you guys, and I wish love your you listeners the very best. Happy Fourth of July, everybody, and hope you all enjoyed it. Happy Independence Day! Thank you so much. Take care. God bless. All right. Thank you. Goodbye. God bless. Bye bye. Bye bye. Um, I I really think that. Uh, we're going to cover this because um, I had been wanting to know what's been happening with the Tanya Reeves case, not having heard a lot in the last few weeks. So, I mean, when we when we go up there, I do think that we should make this part of the show, and, and our audience has promised to give a – we're going to scoop this up, right? <laughs> we're going to scoop this up. We'll, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it big. We'll do it the way it's supposed to be done. Um, not only that, but um, one of my friends who lives in Chicago is also going to be there. The vet, um, Older Youngberg, um, she writes mm-hmm. for the Last Civil Rights um, blog, and she'll be there. She'll be blogging it as well. We're going to we're going to blow this situation. This, you know, we're going to blow this out of the water. And I bet folks are going to be listening to this show later, and they're going to be like, wow, that show started with a bang. But you know what? That's what it's about. So, mm-hmm. wow. It um, is. Let's, well, let's, let's, um, we, didn't get a chance, we didn't get a chance to start our show off in the way we normally do because we I, I know that uh, Walter Hoy was a little pressed for time. Uh, go ahead and Say our scripture for us, and we'll have a prayer, and we'll take a break and come back for more Pro-Life Fridays Radio. All righty. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 says, I record this day against you that I have set before you, life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life so that you and your seed might live. 
Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord, we are thankful for the many opportunities that you are starting to open up, Lord God. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to push into mainstream the pro-life issue through media, Lord God. Father, for so long we know that the mainstream media has just kind of looked at pro-life media as just, you know, like we were just novices. But, Lord, I see you setting things up where we're going to be propelled by your strength and your power to a whole nother level. Father, I thank you for my co-hosts, Letitia and Melissa. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, wherever Melissa is, if she's listening, Lord God, that you that you bless her and her husband and their beautiful baby girl, Lord God. Father, I thank you for the listeners who are listening right now and those who will be listening later in archives, Father. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that as I share my story once again, Lord God, that it will reach out to women who are who have complicated pregnancies and are contemplating abortion and that they would know that there is hope in you, Lord God. Father, I thank you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you have opened up an opportunity for us to be at this this press conference. Lord, we give you glory, honor, and praise in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And with that, we will be back in a few. Hang in there for more Pro-Life Fridays Radio. We had a whole plan that sold abortions, and it was called sex education. Break down their natural modesty separate them from their parents and their values and become the sex expert in their life so they turn to us when we would give them a low-dose birth control pill they would get pregnant on or a defective condom. Our goal was three to five abortions from every girl between the ages of 13 and 18. The multitudes of people that have been hurt by abortion, it's just unfathomable. That abortion is really, to me, the ultimate exploitation of women. It is so shameful and secretive that many women don't tell anybody that they've had an abortion. They won't say anything for 20, 30, 40, 55 years. They're so traumatized with silence. The U.S. Senate report states, Physicians, biologists, and other scientists agree that conception marks the beginning of the life of a human being, a being that is alive and is a member of the human species. There is an overwhelming agreement on this point in countless medical, biological, and scientific writings. Planned Parenthood is expanding now. They're building gigantic abortion clinics in anticipation of socialized medicine. There's a lot of money involved. We never would take personal checks. We always encourage the ladies to bring cash. Why is that? 
So, well, you don't have to report cash, friend. When you're fighting for your life, you need to know what you're fighting for. And if what you're fighting for is life, how do you destroy a life in an effort to fight that fight? fighting so hard to save myself that I'll kill someone else to get that. I recognized I'd been involved in the death of 35,000 babies. And the truth has really come out about what abortion does to women, let alone the unborn baby, our dead babies. It will be over. are listening to Pro-Life Fridays Radio on Blog Talk Radio. I am your host, Letitia Wong. I am on the air live broadcasting with Thomas Smith. If you have questions for us or would like to make a comment, the number to call in is 760-542-3907. Thank you for joining us for yet another exciting broadcast of Pro-Life Fridays Radio. So, Thomas. Yes, Leticia. <laughs> um, we had we we have this is for us been um, in the last few weeks and probably for the rest of the month of of July. And the emphasis on the post-abortive individual, which I think we we it was almost planned uh, un, an unplanned planned thing. And what I meant, what I mean by that is, we didn't have an agenda to focus so much on the post-abortive women and the post-abortive men that we're going to have on the show here and in the future. Uh, but it kind of all fell into place divinely, so I think, because, as you said, it is probably one of the most important factors in convincing America that abortion really needs to be. Uh, made illegal, not remain legal, because of the sheer number of lives it harms. Right. Right. Exactly. Are you there? And I, I want to, I want to say that if we make we make this comparison, I'm going to make this comparison a little bit later too, but we we make a comparison. Um, as to how terrible something is or whether or not it should be legal, um, based on the number of negative instances that happen, when we're talking about drugs, we're talking about side effects, maybe even fatalities, and say if it can be ruled that some drug causes the death of somebody directly and it's provable, that drug is generally removed off the market so that no, no more people will die or run the risk of dying. But here we have a practice, and in the pro-abortion community, that we have actual deaths of women 
And this is all besides the fact that abortion means the death of an unborn child. We have the deaths of women like Tanya Reeves, and yet any attempt to put any brakes on abortion whatsoever is met with immediate and, I want to say, nearly violent protest from people who support abortion. Right. And you right, think right. how is this how is this the case? Well it's one of those things. I um <laughs> I'm at a loss the words. Well, let's let's get into the monologue that you had prepared. I think we should. I think you should say what you had on your mind. Uh, even uh, if we don't have the guests that we that we had planned to have on the show, we had planned to have Sean Tatum on to give her um, her story, which is a very important story to tell. But we're going to have to wait till another t- a day. She wasn't able to make the broadcast. But you, you have an important story too. Well, I do, but before I get into my story, I have one thing to um, I have one thing to say. Pro-lifers. We have a problem. And our problem is this. Sometimes in our battles, we seem to be so monolithic that we don't step back and we don't take in the bigger picture, the overall picture. We want abortion to end, period. But for that to first take place, those babies that are going to be given up for adoption must first have the opportunity to be adopted out without having to be put through who are the adoptive potential adoptees having to go through all kinds of red tape. The system is broken. The foster care system is broken as well. We got kids right here in this nation who end up being trafficked human sex trafficking, and that's a whole nother subject. But guess what? Pro-death, pro-abortion supporters use those things as an excuse to say, see, 
This is why we need abortion, because these kids just end up in a worse situation, as if death is an alternative to living regardless of what the situation or circumstance may be, because at least if they're living, they have an opportunity to overcome any negative. And for those of you who say no way, this is what I say to you. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And to your atheists who are listening who, who may not believe in Jesus Christ, oh, well, you're bad, you're lost. My mm-hmm. show, so I can quote the scriptures anytime I want to, and I will. The question that I continue to ask myself, who gave abortion people the right to determine what justifies whether someone lives or dies? The wrong sex because someone's deformed? Mm -hmm. If that baby has to die, it needs to die naturally, not at the hands of a man-made instrument or procedure. Because when you do that, not only did you take the life of that baby, but you just destroyed Another life, the life of that mother. But nobody wants to take that into consideration because a lot of us as pro-lifers, we want to refer to post-abortive women as selfish, um, evil sinners. Folks know the background before you start lashing out. Yes, when that woman gets an abortion or that little girl gets an abortion, she knows something was wrong. And guess what? She lives with that guilt and that shame for the rest of her life. She lives with that for the rest of her life. And what do we do? We bash them. We do exactly what the enemy wants us to do. That's not right. That's why on this show, we never condemn post-abortive women. Because most of those girls are only doing what they've been told. That right. was right. But yet, there are those of us in the pro-life movement, we want to condemn them to hell. We want to tell them there's no hope. 
until God says it's over, it's not over. And I'm going to go into my story. Leticia, you ask the questions, I'll tell the story, or I can go into my life story in a monologue, either way, whatever you prefer. Okay. Well, let's catch up uh, with your story as as far as we had known it from before you found out more information, because you went on a search for your your birth records and your medical records, and you found out a lot. You didn't find out everything, but you found out a lot. Right. But up until that point. Up until that point, tell us, or I guess remind me and tell our audience uh, what you had known about your birth up until that point. Up until that point, all I knew was that, you know, I was born premature and that the doctors had wanted to abort me. And my mom used to tell me that she was in labor with me for 39 and a half hours. And I used to think to myself, okay, why was she in labor with me for 39 and a half hours if um, if um, I was taken by C-section? That's a good question. Well, come to find out, and this is the this is the latest information confirmed. I wasn't taken by C-section. I was taken by um, well, I came naturally. The only way I believe that was possible, other than it being also a miracle, was the fact that I wasn't fully immersed in my mom's tube. Here's the thing about that, folks. Having seen my medical records, I weighed six pounds. My mom's tube should have ruptured whether I was fully in there or not. This is what people fail to understand about me being here. Despite the fact or maybe her tooth did rupture. I'll have to actually ask my mom that. Because now that I think about it, because she did say I tore her insides up. It's when I think about it, there is no way but for God that I even should have been here. I weighed six pounds when I was born. And listen, six pounds is bigger than either of my two babies were when they were born. 
I don't get that except that God had a plan for my life. That's why he didn't let me die. But, folks, here's the thing. That wasn't the end of it. I'm only one of two babies to ever be born naturally, the natural birthing process after being in ectopic slash tubal pregnancy. Only one of two. There's been other ectopic babies that have went full term. They were taken by C-section. I know. I looked it up. Mm-hmm. Bill Fortenberry, a gentleman who is into the research of ectopic babies, he was the one that found when the last ectopic, natural ectopic birth took place. Leticia, you know what year it was? Why don't you tell our audience? 1916. That's amazing. That is almost 100 years ago. Very close to 100 years ago. And, yes, and I mean, ectopic pregnancy that leads to birth of a live baby is already extremely rare. I think the last story that anyone ever heard of was the one was the woman who was living in Phoenix. She gave birth to her baby. Uh, but, yes, that baby they had to remove by C-section. But that baby, kind of like you, was uh, was located in the area between her fallopian tube and her uterus, kind of in an area where it was highly risky for the baby. But apparently it was just enough to sustain the baby, and the area was just flexible enough to accommodate a growing child, which at the time, even the article from Phoenix, from AZ Central, says that doctors did not believe that that area of the uterus, that kind of the, that corner part between where the fallopian tube is real close to uh, the the uh, entrance to the uterus was strong enough to su- to support a growing baby, but yet it did. Right. It did. And so um, if that's kind of the area where you were located when you were inside your mother's womb, I think that pretty much turns what we know about the cap you know, the God given capable capability of a mother's body to be able to sustain a pregnancy even when the baby is not located in the ideal place in the uterus. That there are that that a pregnancy and Bill Fortenberry can say that is both survivable for both the mother and the child and now with your birth it is shown that it is possible for a child to be birthed naturally even in a circumstance such as yours right right and let me point out let me point out the fact folks it wasn't easy by no means for my mom her heart 
according to her, five times on the birthing table. Right. Now, folks, when your heart stops, that means you're legally dead. And five times they brought her back. So here's another irony for you. They fought five times to save her, but was so freely willing because of health abnormality to basically, for lack of a better term, throw me away like I'm a piece of trash. Mm-hmm. But such is the life of abortion. Of abortionists. If you are not what they consider perfect, then they toss you out like you're a piece of trash. And that's what they tell these women. Oh, you, if your baby is genetic, genetically inferior. But the thing that really pisses me off is when they use social economic status as a justification for killing a baby. So let me get this straight. You're saying that the only people who should be having babies are those that can afford it? Right. Uh, Which is really strange to me because you know, I can we can go back into the caveman days if you want, <laughs> and where people didn't have all the material benefits we have today, but right. they were, but everybody was still having children. Right. There exactly. was not, there was not this there was not this argument, and I know somebody's going to want to take issue with me. Come and get it. There was not this issue of you're too poor to have a baby. Right. And if you notice, Letitia, the only people they tell that to are blacks and Hispanics, are poor white people. Right. Okay, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to eliminate the poor? That's what In they're fact, doing. In fact, that was the aim of the eugenics movement in the 19, early in the turn of the century, actually. It started back then. Uh, but it yeah. got, it's, 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 it got enough steam rolling in the 19, late 1920s and the 1930s. Yep. That's when all the publications came out. And it did say, they, the publications from the American Eugenics Society, American Birth Control League, Margaret Sanger, and all of her associates, that we should eliminate the poor from society through birth control and abortion for those who already are having a baby. (laughs) Right. It's, they, I think we, society today has kind of diverged. They, we have said, okay, abortion, yeah, it's bad, but 
women need to be able to choose what to do with their bodies. And then birth control is looked at as a completely separate issue because people are now thinking about preventing a baby from being conceived. And so, yes, we make a distinction, but back in the 1930s, they didn't look at it as two separate issues. It was one and the same. However and whenever uh, the decision is made, either by the woman or by the greater powers in society, decided that a woman should not have a baby, it doesn't matter whether that baby was prevented from being conceived or aborted after the baby was conceived. It was all the same. The goal was to stop the population growth of certain segments of society, namely blacks, particularly blacks. Right, right, exactly, exactly. And now what you have, and I was just thinking about this earlier, and I'm going to kind of uh, get over and wait, we are in a political arena but I'm a I'm a do a little personal house cleaning for a minute, and I'm gonna address specifically the black community. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thugs and thugettes, thugettes, if that's what you wanna be. You're systematically participating in your own slaughter. What do I mean by that? I'm not talking about the post-aborted black women. I'm talking about the community as a whole. We will come out of the woodwork like gangbusters crying and screaming about racism over the Trayvon Martin George Zimmerman situation. But, oh, by the way, folks, it can't be, well, it still is racism, except it wasn't white-on-black crime. It was Hispanic-on-black crime. George Zimmerman is Hispanic, folks. But... Thanks to the news media calling him a white guy. (laughs) The dumbing down of America has once again perpetuated a myth. Now I'm going to talk a little. I'm going to talk a little education for you, and maybe you will understand it. You're being played like a jive turkey. Mm-hmm. You're being slaughtered. You cry over Trayvon while you're perfectly okay with black-on-white racist hate crimes because the news media is protecting you. Folks, I'm telling you, what they are doing is not protecting you. 
they are setting our community up to be slaughtered. And I do not understand what part of that you do not understand. And at the end of the day, black conservatives will stand on the side of freedom. Because if you make your bed, you lay in it. As we all should. As we all should. But what I'm specifically speaking to is the fact that there are those in the community who will say, you got to stand with the black cause. No, I don't when the black cause is going against the very foundation of the word of God. I got to stop. The black cause. Yeah, now, that's I mean, what they call okay, it, the black I'm cause. I, I may not be a child of the 70s, but I was born in the 70s, and I have been I have been hearing about the black cause since I was a little baby, a little child. Are you confused not only do I like not me know, as to what the hell is the black cause? <laughs> that's right. Not only do I not know what the black cause is, I don't know what the black cause is doing. Right. Because at this point in time, it seems like the black cause is dividing the nation. Along with the white cause, yes, I'm addressing the white supremacists. Because, folks, let me tell you something. As someone who has had three, count them, one, Two, three relatives murdered because of the color of their skin. Don't tell me I don't know what racism is. Mm-hmm. You can't talk to me about racism. Talking about you can you can say, well, I grew up in the civil rights era. No, you didn't. You grew up in the 1960s when the civil rights movement or when the civil rights bills were brought back into being. You didn't grow up in the civil rights movement era because the first civil rights legislation passed for black people in this country was in 1857. And I don't see any black folks in this country walking around that's almost 170 years old. Do you, Leticia? I I don't, actually. And, exactly. Um, I think that, that the reason for that is that we are so nearsighted. I think it's it's a project of our of the liberals in our school system not teaching our children that in 1857 the civil rights movement back then accomplished much of the freedoms that blacks have enjoyed today but were taken away by the right. party they 98% of the time vote for. Bingo. Let's and let's break it down specifically. See, you all who are tuning in to the show, you didn't know you were going to get an educational history lesson. Well, here you go. In 1896, when the Democratic Party took over all branches of the government, guess what? They repealed 
all the civil rights legislation ever passed for black people. They repealed them all, but yet we run to them like they're the great white hope. Folks, they're not. You're talking about being held back by the man. That's who's holding us back. Well, holding those who choose to support them back, because I don't support them. And let me let you in on a little other little secret. Malcolm X, who was racist. Let me point this out to you. He was racist. But I'm going to give him a thumbs up, and I'm going to tell you why. He was racist because he knew who the racist was. And I'm going to paraphrase a quote from his book where he said that you cannot trust a white liberal Democrat. He called them the white blue-eyed devils, or the blue-eyed white devils. And when he referred, made that reference, he was talking about Democrats, not Republicans. Mm-hmm. He was killed because of his stance. That's why he was killed, and like liberals usually do, they paid another black person to kill him. That's what they do. Hmm. <clears throat> Folks, is there, but you don't want to know the truth because you're afraid. You're afraid what your family going to say if you vote Republican personally, Personally, one advantage that I have growing up, that growing up in multiple homes, I never grew. I never grew connected. I was never fully embraced by my community because I was different. Hmm. I thought for myself. They even said I talked a lot, which I did when I was younger. But I didn't know better. And I ain't making excuses for what I did when I was younger because that talking a lot is what holds me into an effective communicator. And now... I have the ability to speak about topics of which on which I'm experienced without having to write a single note. Why is that? Because I practice. Folks, you will not truly be free until you truly decide to think for yourself. When you follow a crowd into trouble, Trouble will follow you for the rest of your life. 
That original quote, Leticia, write this down. I'm going to repeat it. All righty. Follow a crowd into trouble. Trouble will follow you for the rest of your life. It's the mob mentality. Like these mobs of black youth going around the country playing the knockout game and hitting mm-hmm. hitting white people, jumping on white people. You think that's cool? You reap what you sow, folks, regardless. And as a black community, we're not immune because we were enslaved for 400 years. Guess what? Jews were also enslaved for 400 years as well. That's true. So tell us a little bit more about, uh, let's get back to your story before we run out of time. And talk about what you found out. Because you went on a quest. So you found out you were born um, from an ectopic pregnancy, and you were born naturally. And your mother was not able to take care of you, so you grew up in foster care. Yep. And then you went on a search for your birth records and your medical records. Tell us what you found out. Oh, how convenient. My birth records, the birth records that actually documented me being born and all that stuff, they destroyed them. Zero to three months records. Huh? At least you don't know where they are. No, they said they destroyed them. But I know by law you cannot destroy medical records. You can you have to have an electronic copy of them. That's law. Especially of a child that had complications from birth. They have my records. They are not releasing them. And I'ma speculate as to the reason why. Now I was born in a hospital that was an alternative hospital. In other words, they dealt with holistic medicine. And after I was born, I was in that hospital for a week. I believe they were experimenting on me because osteopathic medicine is the medicine, the study of holistic medicine. The belief that you could be healed through bone manipulation and other things and natural medicine. Now I could I can agree to natural supplements, but not necessarily what some of the spirits behind these things are. So I'll just leave it at that. Sure. But but, but how did you come to know that what hospital you were born at had something to do with 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 your condition and your health? Oh, I did research. I I researched that hospital. In fact, that hospital was one of the primary hospitals in Kansas City that performed abortions. Uh I I saw 
the abortion table, which they call the Euro U R O genital G E N T I A L table. How did I know it was an abortion table? First of all, women don't give birth on metal tables. Second of all, birthing beds don't have metal basins underneath them on the mm-hmm. metal shelf. That's how I know. So, fast forward my story to I, around three months old, I had to go to uh, Children's Mercy Hospital because um, I wasn't able to keep food down. I was having, I think in part of my record, they were saying about three to four bowel movements. No, not three to four, like 24 bowel movements. I wasn't keeping any food down, period. Mm-hmm. Nothing. In fact, it took me a year to gain four pounds to go from six pounds to ten. Wow. But here's the kicker, and this is what I still deal with today. And if some, and if people, any of you, ever have the opportunity to hear me speak, you will notice. I have a problem. Walking. I have all kinds of problems with my health. When I got to Children's Mercy, now, Letitia, you know how wiggly babies are supposed to be. Now, well, when they're when they're newborns, they're they're actually kind of floppy. <laughs> okay, floppy. Because they don't. Right, they don't have the the muscle tone to be able to hold their heads up or or move their bodies, you know, forward and backward. Um, you know, they can't move much at all. But they're very floppy. It's like picking up a stuffed animal with lots of floppy limbs. So that's well, why you have to support I'm, a baby completely. Well, I'm wondering then what was done to me because the med- my medical records indicate I was not able to mo- move. I was going through mm-hmm. physical therapy from three months to six months because I could not move. I did not start yeah. walking until I was almost two years old. And now... Now I deal with I deal with issues with my back, my hips, my legs, which I I worked in severe pain my entire life, folks. Mhm. And well, I still well, receive disability. Back up and tell us. I mean, the the difference between how a baby normally um, a baby's body normally is soon after birth versus yours, just kind of make that distinction very clear. I mean, normally babies are kind of floppy. They're very flexible. But you, yes, on the other they, hand, when you told me the story, what were what's, what was the difference with your, you? I could not move. I could not move my limbs. 
that was the difference between me and them. I could not move my limbs. And whatever had been done to me, it was uh, it was a bad thing. Whatever they did to me was not good. And uh, that's why I say them dealing with genetic bone manipulation it seems to fall into place all the yeah. all these um symptoms that you had related to the place where you were born yep. on top of a difficult pregnancy and a difficult birth um, right. it, it seems that everything is lining up into place that where you were born was manipulating you uh, beyond what is normal for a newborn baby. Right, right. And see, and that's the thing people don't understand. Back in the day, they were experimenting on babies like they were nothing. Mm. And that's what they did. They experimented on babies like they were nothing, and I guess in their in their eyes, we were well. If you was black and you're a baby, you were nothing. Hmm. So I don't really I don't really know what else to say. Is that you're black, you're a baby, in their eyes back then, you were nothing, especially if you wasn't allowed to if your parent didn't allow them to abort you. So there there well, let, is many go back. Okay. No, let's go, go ahead. back to your, your your birth records and your medical records. So when you called to try to find out what about them and they told you the those records were destroyed. What did you find out about how that all happened? Tell me the conversation you had with, with the person you called. Well, when I called them, um, they called, well, I actually had two different people call me back. The first person that called me was, uh, I can't remember her name, uh, Oh, my goodness. I think her name was Mary or Laura. I can't remember her name. But she was like the archivist at the at the hospital, which is kind of, it's the, it's the osteopathic medical school now. And she, she um, when she called me, her voice, for some reason, and I noticed everything, her voice was really shaking, and she sounded like she was nervous. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, what is she afraid of? But she went on to tell me that um, that by Missouri law, they're not required to keep medical records after 10 years. No, you don't have to keep paper copies. You have to keep electronic copies of medical records especially 
for babies who are born with the kinds of complications that I have. And when she told me, when she told me that they were destroyed after the hospital were born, you brought up an interesting question. Okay, so if they destroyed all of the medical records from 1974 up until 1988, because what they told me is that they only had medical records back to 1988. Well, the hospital closed in 1988. Mm-hmm. And my thing is this. If you didn't keep my records, how come Children's Mercy Hospital kept my records from 38 years ago? Right. Now, here is where I, I, I when we had this conversation before, it's where I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. They have missing records for, what, 14 years? And it's yeah. not just you. It's not just your records that are missing. Right. It's everybody's records from that time frame. Right. So how is this? I'm wondering if we're this is this. There's got to be a lawsuit somewhere in the in the works here, or there should be. Well, well, I talked to somebody about that, and they said that the statute of limitations is only seven years. So hmm. I I think I may have missed missed the ball on that one. Interesting, but, very interesting. Um, but I, you know, it is. But at the time, you know, it is. It's a felony, like you said, to destroy medical records. So I don't know if they have been destroyed or you're being lied to. And they do exist somewhere, and they're not—they're not releasing them to anybody. They're hiding them. Somebody is hiding right. them. Right. Uh, the, the purpose of which is we can only speculate right now. But you know, we, given your symptoms, given your history, I think we have a pretty good idea of what they might be hiding, uh, which is yep. a whole lot of malpractice, a whole lot of medical malpractice. But we, but that remains to be seen. I, I hope that one day the truth comes out about your medical oh. records. I know that you had been, I, I know that you had been looking for those, and you had found enough information to tell you that there was more. Right, and not only that, some, you know, basically my medical records. You have to keep in mind, my mom was very young. She was. 20 years old, mm-hmm. 21 when I was born. She did not know how to take care of kids, but she was not neglecting me. And these medical records that I have, they spent more time bashing my mom than anything. Because what she did, every time there was something wrong with me, she took me to the hospital. She wasn't one of those mothers that tried to keep things hidden. 
But here's the kicker, and this is the one thing that I need to verify because my mom and everything that she's ever told me. Now, I wasn't raised by her. You know, we don't really have a relationship today. It's not from lack of trying, though. And and you guys saw my Facebook post as to what that was about. But I never held any grudges against her for me being put in foster care. I'm a product of a failed adoption. Well, you might ask, how does an adoption fail? Well, when the person is beating the hell out of me for frivolous mm-hmm. stuff. That's how the adoptions fail. Anyway, um, and that individual, I forgave them too. He's now deceased, but I forgave her. Um, my whole point is this. My medical records from Children's Mercy, they spent a lot of time bashing my mom. Now, one thing my mom did tell me, and keep in mind, folks, everything she's ever told me, she didn't lie. She's not lied to me about. I was placed in foster care when I was three months old. And my mom told me around the age of six months old, she was approached and asked if she if uh, she would allow them to surgically sterilize. And their reasoning was because my body, uh, at six months of age, was already producing sperm cells. Mm-hmm. My mom says no. Now, according to her, the state, which whether it was Kansas or Missouri, she didn't remember where it took place, but one of the two states surgically sterilized. So I'm going to leave you all with two points. I'm going to make a statement and I'm going to Ask a question. My statement is this. Pro-abortion supporters are always talking about the right to choose, the right to choose, the right to choose. Where was my right to choose? whether or not I wanted to have a father, be a father, not have a father, mm-hmm. even though I didn't grow up with a father either. So, you know, it's neither here nor there. I don't hold no grudges against my biological father either because I didn't know him. So you can't you can't hate someone you didn't know. That's my logic. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people don't have that kind of logic, but that's just my logic. And finally this. For all you pro-life with exceptions supporters, let me 
make sure I understand what you're saying. Because my life, I was conceived under circumstances that you find less than desirable, my life is expendable. Is that what you're saying? And with that, I'll toss it back to you, Leticia. Thank you, Thomas, for sharing um, just how much information you found out. And I think that was a very unexpected kind of dead end because, you know, I, I was with you all this time wanting to know, wanting to know where your medical records were and what you would find out when you got them. And uh, to find out that somebody has told you that they were destroyed, first of all, that, that is highly suspicious as to whether they are destroyed or not um, because that that's a problem in and of itself, which is why I think there ought to be some kind of legal recourse. All the patients who have have had their records destroyed, supposedly rejo- uh, uh, destroyed, all the patients should have a problem with that. Um, and secondly, even if they weren't destroyed, uh, you are being lied to for some reason, which is another concern. But with the information you have been able to get from your mom, talking to your mom, and talking to um, the hospital that took care of you after you were born, and what they know, um, you know, I'm sorry that you can't find out more at this point, but I'm hoping that some, some more doors will be open, that you can find out more information. I say keep pursuing it in some way, shape, or form. You know, until you know definitively you, those records don't exist, I think it's worth finding out, you know, in some way what happened to them and what they did say. But I want to tell our audience on top of that, man, you cannot, our our country cannot keep discounting life the way it does with the with legal abortion being what it is. Right. We have turned this country, you know, even those that want to tell, say that America is a secular country, America is the founders. The founders were were just as much atheists as they were believers in any kind of deity. Yeah, even if that were the case, you can't deny that American society today has made an idol out of our ability to choose death for other people. Now I'm you know, I'm saying that those who want to protest the wars we're in, want to protest this and protest that, oil, environmentalism, et cetera, et cetera. Why? Because somehow it causes the death of somebody. I would say, yeah, maybe you have a point. That it right. does causes death. If you assume that death is a horrible thing to cause on somebody else, to cause someone's death, then don't be a hypocrite and stop idolizing abortion because that was what causes the death. A 57-plus million 
Americans since 1973. Leticia, let's let's round that up at 13 million more, and you'll probably be closer to the true figures because not all abortion probably right. Abortion probably right. Probably right. All those abortions that go unreported. And we know there are a lot of them every year. Yep. We're we're way above 57 million in actual numbers. Yep, exactly. That's a good point. Well, want to thank everybody for tuning in to myself and Letitia tonight for this awesome show. We're going to have Walter Hoy back on in the immediate future, and we're also going to have Ms. Sean Tatum on as soon as we can work out the schedule because this phenomenal young woman of color has a powerful story, a powerful testimony of what God can do in terms of healing. So until next week, tune in again to Pro-Life Friday. You can go, because I know you're under the clock. I wanted to end this show with the stupidest thing ever. Um, And that is that this past week, earlier in the week, the, the, when the House was debating, I think it's gone to the Senate, they were debating the 20-week abortion ban in, the, in, in Congress. And we had lots of pro-life people go out in support of this bill. And, of course, it also attracted a lot of pro-abortion supporters. And this is how crazy it got. We, on the one hand, we have pro-life people, and I love how I love how this is set in contrast to the way the left likes to portray pro-life people as gun-toting crazy people. Well, these pro-life people, which are representative of of the pro-life people across America, were standing in the Capitol singing "Amazing Grace." Yes, that is so violent for people to sit, stand in the Capitol and sing Amazing Grace. The pro-abortion supporters, and I get this, wanted to protest the pro-life supporters. And what did they do <clears throat> in order to do that? They started shouting, well, not everybody, but a certain number of them, a small number of them started shouting, Hail Satan! And I have a picture sent to me from a dear friend on Facebook because she was there of two individuals with that looked like they were wearing aprons with blood on them and holding up signs saying Roe v. Wade and they're against back alley abortions. And you combine all this and you look at the, what the pro-choice, pro-abortion people are supporting. They're shouting, hail Satan. You know, if, even if I didn't believe that this was, uh, if, even if I thought this was serious, um, and they weren't trying to make fun of the pro-life people there, I wouldn't say hail Satan. Because 
really what what kind of credibility are you gaining for yourself when you try to do that? Not much. They love credibility. <laughs> you make yourself look impossibly silly. And if you're trying to say say hail Satan as a way of saying the total opposite or doing the total opposite of someone someone praying to God and saying and singing Amazing Grace, I, I would say it would be better for them to say I'd better not do any lunges instead of saying hail Satan. And what am I referring to? This is what I'm referring to. Okay, buddy boy, here it is. You hide my clothes? I'm wearing everything you own. Oh, my God. That is so not the opposite of taking somebody's underwear. Look at me. I'm Chandler. Could I be wearing any more clothes? Maybe if I wasn't going commando. I'll tell you, it's hot with all this stuff on. I, uh, I better not do any, I don't know, lunges. And that's how you not do the opposite of what's being done in front of you. They're comical. They're silly and they're comical. And I, I, I love the picture that my friend had sent to me saying, defend Roe v. Wade with the, with the people with the bloody aprons on. Because I'm like, oh, look, it's Douglas Carpenter's abortion staff from Texas. They're not doing themselves any favors. And they're looking more and more ridiculous by the minute. <clears throat> I lost where I was going with that, but that is the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> so, uh, Thomas, did you have to go? Yes, I have to go now. All right. But uh, All right, we are done with the show. Join us next week for Pro-Life Fridays as we welcome Anna Maria Hoffman back onto the show. She's going to have a fantastic project that she's going to share with us that she's working on, and it does have to do with more testimonials, this time by men who have been denied their children through abortion. Um, Heart-wrenching stories. Tune in next week. We would love to take your phone calls, and have a good night. All you right. want to say good night? <laughs> All right. Good night, everyone. Good night, good night. All right. Put your hands up, open wide. Put your hands up, side by side.